Hey there, this is Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. This podcast is all about helping Colorado-based small business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals discover the strategies and systems that take their marketing to all new heights. Let's dive into today's episode. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Today, my guest is Kristen File. Kristen has a passion for science and medical communication. Her offerings combine both creative talent and scientific expertise. She's been providing medical direction, medical writing, and strategic healthcare marketing for more than 15 years and has experience working in healthcare advertising and medical communication agencies, as well as large children's hospitals and research institutes. Kristen, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on today. Thank you so much. It's very flattering to be invited to join you. Awesome. Well, so Kristen, let's start back at the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and what your life was like growing up. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, so on the East Coast. Um, Pretty traditional childhood. My mother stayed home. I did all kinds of activities. Um, Amongst them were a lot of outdoor activities. So I had an early interest in biology just from what was around me. Awesome. So I'm assuming that that uh, definitely had an impact on your eventual career and professional journey. Sure. I thought I was going to be a marine biologist when I grew up. Who doesn't love going to the beach? I know. But, marine biology. I, I think I had that uh, aspiration for a little bit too and then realized how much uh, math and science was involved and I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> well, I definitely uh, learned the hard way or maybe not the hard way, but I learned along the way that it wasn't going to be the right fit for me. But it certainly propelled me into not only taking biology and chemistry and other sciences in high school, but also into a biology degree from college. Yeah. Can you take us through your career journey where you started out and the the different professional stops along the way you had? Sure. It's been a long one at this point. But growing up in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, as many people know, is a hub for pharmaceutical companies. And so I knew many people in the industry or who worked in the industry. I didn't know what they did. But when I went to school, I had the opportunity to actually get my first summer job working as a peptide chemist at one of those pharma companies, a small startup company. From there, I did many things. Like I said, I thought I was going to be a marine biologist. So the next summer in college, I went to... Um, our school was one of the only undergraduate schools in the country who actually has classes at the Marine Biology Lab in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. So we went and did classes there. And I spent the summer as a Howard Hughes medical investigator um, at one of the labs on campus. So getting my hands and feet wet, literally, (laughs) in science and biology. Um, As my degree progressed through school. I had other opportunities as a research assistant and and to help out in various labs. And that launched me into uh, laboratory work. So I graduated and got a degree in the, uh, got a degree in biology. Wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Did I want to go to graduate school or medical school? I didn't, wasn't sure. So I got a job in another lab and I worked at various companies in it. Um, as a research associate at Princeton University. So if you've ever watched House and see the beginning of House, um, the building that they call the Princeton Plainsboro Hospital is actually the molecular biology department at Princeton University where I worked. That's awesome. From there I got it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, from there, I actually ended up um, with a more stable job at Wyeth Pharmaceuticals in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania and did drug discovery research for five or so years. So it was where I thought it was going to be. The problem was I knew I wasn't really that passionate about science research per se. I love science, but I wasn't sure about research. And I was still contemplating graduate school and some other things. And while I was at Wyeth, um, I had the opportunity to actually do my graduate work and work full time as a scientist. And so I did those together to get my master's degree in microbiology and immunology from Temple University School of Medicine. So that was my large educational career in a nutshell. It involved a lot of work and um, schooling at the same time. How has that uh, led to you where you are today with your uh, professional well, career? Like I said, I, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to stay at the bench doing research in the lab. While I loved science and, and the investigational aspects of science and understanding science, I didn't really like doing the bench work and the repetitiveness. And I have a flair for creativity that while you apply that to science, not so much when you're at the bench and need to be very meticulous. So um, my husband is also a um, trained biologist and he's currently at the University of Colorado um, as a professor. And he was in academia at the time and was finishing up his postdoctoral work and had an opportunity to take a job in Ohio. And so Ohio isn't the hub of pharma industry just like Southeastern Pennsylvania is. So we ended up moving there and I had to find a new job. Um, I started out as a project manager, and I'm going to put that in quotes because <laughs> I'm not sure I did much managing of anything. And while I was finding myself with time on my hands, I found that I was writing. And that sort of mean pushed me, nudged me into helping out people at the um, Ohio State University um, Children's Hospital, the Associated Children's Hospital there in Columbus, Ohio their research institute working to communicate what the scientists were doing at the research institute. That's awesome. So from there, I'm like, oh, you know, life changes started happening. I, we had a daughter. I wasn't sure I wanted to stay at the research institute. I had put my resume out in a number of places, but the opportunities were kind of small in, in the area for people who had science degrees. Um, and I had, I got lucky in the sense that there was one healthcare advertising agency in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Um, the medical director there pulled my resume out of the trash can and told the creative department that they were hiring me as their medical writer. Wow, that's So crazy. I walked in and the folks at the agency on my first week were making puppet shows for pharma companies that I had, I went, what, <laughs> what is this? I just got myself into. I had no idea that there was a world of communications out there. You know, scientists were built. They either, you came out of school with a science degree and went to med school or you went to um, graduate school or you um, somehow otherwise practiced in the, in the professional realm that either of those sort of led to. So here was a whole new opportunity to apply science to something a little bit more creative. 
and it turned out I was really good at it. And it was an aha moment in the sense that I finally found a job that I liked. So after 15 years of doing scientific research, I finally had come to, you know, a place where I really found some passion for what I, um, and, and I was good at and enjoyed. So that makes all the difference in the working world. <laughs> Absolutely. The problem was after my second child was born and we were having some um, small issues that I needed some either work for part-time or work from home for maybe three to six months till we could straighten it out. And um, the company I was working for said, we really can't set that precedent. And I had gone back to work and said, within the first week, I ended up quitting my job. I think they were stunned. <laughs> Um, can you imagine right now <laughs> with all of <laughs> working remotely uh, right now uh, for people that are listening, we're right in the middle of the whole coronavirus and, uh, everyone's working from home. So I think that a lot of companies are going to be rethinking, uh, when people do need to take that time away and, and work remotely a little bit, but sorry. I, I completely agree. And this was 13 years ago and it was early in that we need people in the office. You need to interact with people. You're not going to be involved. And I just said, mm, well, <laughs> who's, who's more important my job or my family right now? It's my family. Um, there will be other jobs. And while it wasn't comfortable, it was something I felt like I had to do. And it was probably the best move I ever made because two weeks later they called me back and said, we really need you to work from home and come back. We'll take as many hours as you can get. We've got this project and we can't do it without you. And I said, okay. And my freelance quote unquote life and consultancy life was born that day that they called in December. That's awesome. Um, I mean, can you continue a little bit about, you know, once you decided or once you were freelancing, kind of just the opportunities it gave you? Well, um, clearly it gave me an opportunity to pick and choose the jobs I wanted to do. It gave me the opportunity to go and expand the jobs I was doing beyond the role that I had been set um, or given when I was hired at the agency. Um, and people found that they could use me for all all kinds of different things. And I was a help in many different ways. So in that sense, I, it really blossomed. The other thing it did is I moved away from just doing marketing work and, and advertising um, into many other aspects of pharmaceutical promotional work and, and medical writing that has just bloomed since then. Now, um, I was say, if someone is listening right now that is uh, aspiring to, to take that leap, uh, and leave their leave their their nine to five job and become a freelancer or or start their own business. What's the single biggest piece of advice that you would want to give him or her? That's a tough one because it is a big leap. Um, I had some insurance in place with some various things. My husband had a stable job. He had health benefits, and I was in the position to say, you know what? I already quit. It doesn't matter if I don't make any money doing this, <laughs> um, because we're okay. Um, so the, the advice I would give is if you're really passionate about it and if you feel like it's the right move, then leap, but do your homework before you just jump in with both feet. <laughs> you don't want to be jumping off a bridge or the deep end of the pool and not know how to swim. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, uh, a lot of times, you know, to be deciding to become an entrepreneur, uh, 
if you step into the water, you know, at the shallow end and slowly, you know, swim out to the deep end, you're going to be set up for uh, success as opposed to making an irrational decision and being like, I can't take this anymore. I quit. And I'm just going to freelance forever. Um, it's definitely if you can have one of the, a couple like one client lined up or, or anything like that, just to slowly ease your way in and being like, yeah, this, this is great. I got it. Well, and I didn't even look at it. Like I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to set my own business. It just was happenstance. And um, for so many people, that's important. Take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you because they can really lead you far. And that has been some of what has happened over the last 13 years is I've built my communications company. If you could go back and do anything differently in your journey to where you are now, what, if anything, would you change? <laughs> uh, I would wish I had had the opportunity sooner, but that's not something that necessarily I changed because I didn't know that the opportunity actually existed. So my advice to young people or people coming out of school is maybe investigate more, look to the opportunities, go to the career fairs and see if there's other things out there and how you can apply yourself because um, I'm a strong believer in liberal arts education and while it's really important to um, be well versed in any one degree area um, you can't neglect um, your communication skills you can't neglect your writing or your speaking skills and um, all the other things that go with it if I had known I was going to take this path I would have probably taken other classes that I didn't even think about taking when I was in college because that's not what science majors did. But having a business class or having um, an economics class or an accounting class or some of these other business related classes, which there are many more of now, um, I wish I had done sooner. So. Absolutely. What, I mean, what do, I'm, I'm sure that this ties right in with it. What do you think the biggest mistake business owners make when they're trying to grow and sustain a successful business? That's a tough one because I think there's probably two approaches to making a successful business. I've been growing small and slowly um, as I've gained confidence. And I think some people go out there and make a big business plan and jump right in. And I think both approaches can, can work. Um, but you have to make sure that you fit that approach that you're taking. So for me, I am not a... Um, let's take huge risks and see what happens. We'll bounce back in the end. I'd rather build my reputation, um, bring people along with me, um, and then build people up. And that's what we've slowly been doing. You know, I started out by myself and now we have a small group of people, um, usually around five to six of us, um, sometimes, you know, up to 10, but we don't go much above that. That's great. Um, you know, I know it's always a really big milestone in, in an entrepreneur's journey when they are able to expand to being an entrepreneur, not just a solopreneur. Uh, right. It's, it's always a big milestone uh, to, to bring a team on. Well, but I think in some cases, don't discount being a solopreneur, as you put it. Um, because that may be where you best fit. And I've um, ebbed and flowed a little bit and, and have decided there's a sweet spot of a, a certain number of small people. What does your model look like for finding and engaging and selling to your ideal clients and customers these days? Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to be one of those people who says I don't have one. <laughs> um, the reason I don't have one is I cannot keep up the demand in my field. 
um, despite um, hiring people and keeping a staff, I do not market actively at all. Um, in fact, I've been developing my website um, for five years now because I never have time to finish it um, because we are so busy all the time. <laughs> and that's been built on reputation. So there's so much value in making sure that what you say you're going to do is what you do and what you deliver and you do it with integrity and you do it, um, you know, your reputation is everything in the business I'm in and there's lots of people who want to harm that. And so we've been fortunate enough to, you know, I had one client in the beginning. I think I have a stable of about 25 different ones at this point. And like I said, I can't service everybody all the time anymore. So we're, my, my challenge at the moment is really trying to hire good and the right people and good people. So, and it's been a very, very difficult one. It, it definitely can be difficult trying to find uh, the people that have the same passion for your company and for your business and type of integrity that you want to bring to your name and uh, the, the company that you've created. Well, a lot of people don't, um, they have a vision in their mind of what this uh, medical writing or a medical communications company is. And um, then they walk into reality and realize it's not the same thing. Um, and we are not a brick and mortar. We are we operate virtually um in fact i don't have a single client in denver or colorado where we're located all my clients are elsewhere so we can really be flexible that way and it's just making sure that we maintain who we are and what we are and find the people who will join you at that level as well now i'm going to pivot a little bit and uh talk to you about colorado what do you what do you like best about living and working here what's the appeal to having your business and life here in colorado you know that's a really great question and i, I think i'll take it back to where i've come from you know we i lived for 30 years in the philadelphia area um on the east coast we lived for another 10 years. Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself by saying this, but another 10 years in the Midwest in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then we came here. And um, I think what's great about here, um, not only is the sun out, but seemingly all the time, <laughs> which makes a great difference in attitudes for a lot of people, but um, the approach that many Coloradans have is exactly what I embody in my own life. Um, they're very passionate about what they do and how they do it. Um, they work hard, but they also know how to, and, and prioritize how to play hard and relax and get the most out of life. And um, I'm not gonna say that people in the East Coast or the Midwest don't do that either. It's just um, the approach is very different here. And I feel it every time we go back to the East, um, there's wide open spaces. People make room for both things in their lives, both work and play. And it's really important. One passion that so many business owners and entrepreneurs have is to build a business around their lifestyle, not the other way around. How has that played out in your story and approach to running your business? Um, well, it's played out in a couple of ways. Like I said, I could be as busy and working 24 hours a day if I really let myself and so making sure I control that, it's driven me to hire people um, and make sure I have good people to help out. Um, but 
importantly, I started out because it was what my family needed and that's what still is a priority. So I can mold my schedule around uh, my kids' schedules. I can um, make sure that we're uh, available when we need to be, but also I can turn off everything and walk away from it. And that's what's so important about um, doing your own thing, so to speak. And I think people right now in this time of the COVID-19 um, pandemic are really finding out that there are other ways to approach how they do business because they can manage certain things without having to be in the office every day and, and sit at a desk. And frankly, I can probably do in six hours what a lot of people get done in three days because I can manage my interruptions um, in, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't get interrupted, but I can manage that better. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received and how has it impacted your business or your life? Oh boy. Um, did you put this one on the list of questions? <laughs> um, best piece of advice I've ever received. Gosh, I've received so many. Um, I think it just comes back to people making sure that you do what you want, do what you're passionate about. Um, and do it in the ways that you believe are the right way to do things, that that always comes through as genuine for any of your customers. Um, and, and frankly, that's what I value about small businesses and one of the reasons I've been striving to keep mine small. So that, that's awesome. Um, I, before we finish up, is there anything I didn't ask you during today's discussion that you think is important to share? Um, no, I think you've hit most of the main points. I, you know, I, every business is different and every um, person who runs a business is different. So you have to bring that to your own business. Um, but making sure that you do it with your own values and keeping that um, integrity is important. And it's not always easy to do. There's lots of people who want to get in the way of that, especially when they want to offer you lots of money to do a job. And so um, it's always <laughs> coming back to sort of that advice. Um, that's the best way to put this. Um, you know, saying no is just as valuable as saying yes in, in a business environment. So making sure that you have the ability, and, and I'm not going to lie, it's not one of my strengths to be able to say no and stop um, when you need to is really, really important. It, making that decision will drive your business in the direction you eventually want to go. Kristen, this has been such a great conversation. Where can we send our, our listeners to find out more about you and, and your business online? Well, you can always find out at findmedcommunications.com. But like I mentioned before, my website is not active because <laughs> um, we don't do a lot of advertising. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn or Facebook and FindMed's also on LinkedIn and Facebook. And so I'll include a link to your LinkedIn in the, in the description here if people want to find you because I know that you have a tricky last name to spell out. <laughs> That is true. And, you know, like I said, finding good people is our number one priority right now. And so we have open applications if people want to go in and check it out. Awesome. Yeah, I will uh, make sure to include a link to that as well. Thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website at www.nextstepsocialcommunications.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look for Katie Brinkley. Let's keep taking your marketing to new heights.